Hello, and welcome to The Unique CPA. I'm your host, Randy Crabtree. The goal of our show is to keep you at the forefront of the changing face of public accounting by having conversations with fascinating leaders and bringing you their stories, insights, and advice. The Unique CPA podcast is brought to you by Trimerit, the specialty tax professionals. Today, our guest is Chris Geyer. Chris is the CEO and managing partner of Sickage LLP. Sickage is one of the top 30 CPA firms in the country. In addition to leading the overall strategic and financial direction of the firm, he is responsible for large mergers and acquisitions and is a member of the executive board. Previously, Chris served as the partner in charge of advisory services and Sickage's investment banking team. Prior to joining Sickage in 2008, Chris founded GEI Capital, a distressed private equity and turnaround consulting firm. He also founded GEI Advisory, an international mergers and acquisition advisory and management consulting firm, where he completed transactions domestically and abroad. In addition to these areas, we're going to find out that Chris actually has a pretty diverse past, and I'm really interested to talk about that. But before we do that, Chris, I really appreciate you being here, and welcome to the show. Randy, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. Let me let me just give you one little quick thing. But there's nothing fascinating about me. Okay, so you might want to change that that intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe me, there's a lot fascinating about you. And 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 I got to hear a lot of that. Oh, I don't know if it was about a year and a half ago. We were sitting at a conference in Vegas. I think having yeah, I, a, uh, I think it was a steak meal and a glass of wine, maybe. I think um, you're right. I think you're right. And uh, and honestly, uh, when we sat there and had that conversation, I remember that so vividly. And when 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 the firm asked me to start ho- hosting a podcast, there was two conversations that I remembered that I thought, man, that'd be a really interesting conversation to have recorded and put out there. Yours was one, and then another one I was a podcast yeah. I did earlier. And so uh, I'm going to blame you for me doing this because of that <laughs> conversation. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you've had, you've had some great guests on, so I'll try to measure up. Well, I'm very fortunate to to uh, to know some really good people. People in this industry, and that they've all been so gracious to uh, agree to be on this. So, 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 getting back then to your your history, I teased it a little bit there in the intro, um, and this is the conversation we had. But, but you did not uh, graduate college with any desires or any ideas that public accounting was in your future, correct? Yeah, no, that's right. I, I, I'm not a CPA actually either. So, yeah, my undergraduate degree was in criminal justice pre-law. Uh, so I would have never imagined being in the place that I am today. I, I describe, I guess, my my past and my career to people as not being very linear. So I've taken lots of uh, zigzags uh, in my path along the way, and all of which, frankly, I think, uh, of course, we're all made up of our life experiences, but I think have really helped me. Uh, certainly my my early part of my career has really helped me in every facet of my career and certainly does uh, does today. And and that early portion and then moving forward, I kind of like to, to you know, let everybody know about that. You started in, in law enforcement, correct? Yeah, I sure did. Um, I started in law enforcement out west in uh, for the Phoenix Police Department, actually, and had a number of different jobs there uh, um, on a tactical team working undercover. And yeah, it was it was a great experience for a young man. Uh, from a small farming community in eastern Washington, right. it was quite a way to grow up, uh, and I and I grew up rather quickly. But I, as I said, 
I learned a, a lot of things on that job and doing the jobs that I did there that I use every day, uh, just about, and certainly probably the biggest one. And we're in the people business uh, in, in professional services, of course. And so um, working in law enforcement and, and particularly when I worked undercover, that's just all about people and the people skills um, that I learned there are just have, I mean, it's just invaluable to me. And I don't know how else I would have learned uh, those things had I not have uh, done a job like that. It's not for everybody. I would tell you that. I can imagine for that. Sure. Yeah, for sure. But, it, but it was a great experience for me and one that I, that I wouldn't change it. You know, it, it set me back a little bit in terms of starting my business career, but, but it was well worth it. Nice. And then, and then that business career then, was that the transition then to GEI or what was the next step in the, in the career? Yeah, no. So I actually went to work for a sporting goods company and uh, became a regional manager for them. They were a family owned business out of Michigan that got bought by private equity. So that was my first exposure to private equity. And, and frankly, that's what kind of got me thinking after working with them for a couple of years and understanding how that all worked, that I could do something like that myself. Uh, And so uh, that's what uh, prompted me then, I guess, to, to start my own uh, my own firm in 1993 is when I started. So I had my own firm from 93 up until I joined Sickich in 2008. So 2008. In 2008, right. uh, wasn't yeah. the best time in the uh, in the economy. I guess a little bit mm-hmm. like, well, different than what we're going through now, but obviously a downturn at that point as well. It um, was, and it was it was different for me too. I had um, I had bought and sold a number of different companies, and uh, had just bought a company back out in the Southwest, because I had since moved into the Chicagoland area, and back out in the Southwest, which was in the construction and real estate development industry uh, in 2006, Randy. So yeah, remember the times well. So I I tell a lot of people that experience, um, you often learn more things from failures than you do from successes, because you have to try so hard uh, to make something work. And um, that situation didn't take me all the way out, but it definitely took me to my knees. It helped me, I guess, remember the traits of, of someone that is that needs to be resilient in life and mm-hmm. certainly within their profession. And so uh, that, that was a, a difficult time. But but it was one that I again, one that I probably wouldn't trade, you know, I right. learned an awful lot from going through a time when things weren't going very well. <laughs> yeah, no. I was used to that to some extent anyway, with the businesses that I had been involved in in the past in distress, you know, and restructuring, but this was a little bit different. There was a lot at stake. Yeah. But you made it through. I did. All right. yeah. And then in 2008 then is when you joined Sickage. How did that come about? Is it, did you have a, a relationship with Jim Sickage who was the prior managing partner or how did they, how Sickage come into play? No, I didn't. And that, and that's a great question. I, I, I was, I had contact with a headhunter that I'd known over the years and it was a simple phone call from him that uh, he had just talked with the HR uh, department or the HR uh, director at that time at Sickich. And he thought it sounded like an interesting firm. It was, uh, I don't know, at that time, uh, Randy, $32 million in revenue, maybe, I think. Okay. Um, and just really trying to work on diversifying their, their service offering. And it was just a, I had never, you know, and I'd been in Chicago since 1990 and I'd never heard of the, of the firm. And so I thought it was pretty interesting. And so I had a conversation with this HR director and then she put me in touch with Jim Sickich and, and he and I had uh, a number of conversations, um, just kind of 
you know, I think took a liking to one another very early on and had a lot of things in common. And so, you know, hunting and riding motorcycles and, you know, football and all that kind of stuff and his younger, his younger years as well. So I made a, a number of trips back and forth at that time from Phoenix up to Chicago. And, and I, I wasn't really looking to go join a business anywhere, Randy. That's the unique part. Cause, because, you know, being on your own for 15 years, yep. is a, as you know, it's, you figure that, you know, I'm, I was used to making my own decisions and, and living with those both good and bad decisions and those sorts of things. And I didn't think that there'd be a business that I would join that I could feel comfortable enough to sort of coexist in. And, and secondly, you know, I'd never been in a partnership per se. Mm-hmm. You know, everything I'd done has more of a corporate governance uh, feel to it and it had never been in an actual partnership. So that's been a, a unique situation for me as well. The partnership model is, it really is different for those that haven't been in, in anything other than a partnership model. It really is a different model. And so that, that's been very interesting for me. But so he finally just said, hey, he goes, why, why don't you join us? And, and I was actually the, the first partner that they brought in from the outside. And so I asked to, to build the, the, you know, their investment bank and that sort of thing. So, yeah. And so it took a number of months and conversations and whatnot. And frankly, I really didn't know at that point what I was going to do. And that sounded pretty interesting. And I liked the people that I met and, right. and, it, and it felt, felt like a, felt like the thing to do. And so, you know, here I am now, you know, 12 years later. So you came directly in as a partner with no public accounting experience whatsoever, but obviously the portion of the firm that you were working on was the acquisition or the, the right. investment banking, which you were familiar with. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I had done lots of transactions prior to that. So yeah. And, and they wanted to build a bigger investment bank. And so, you know, we went about, I went about creating a broker dealer. We, we did that from scratch, oh. started hiring, uh, you know, true transactional folks. And so, yeah, it's it's a and that's an entirely different business than the traditional CPA business. You know, the the beta in investment banking is much higher, <laughs> of course. So the, it's feast or famine, and it really is. I mean, you oh, can yeah. you can have some great years, and you can have some very difficult years. And at my time at Sickage, we've had them both. I, yeah. I can just tell you. So, and then that kind of morphed into from just the investment bank, kind of morphed into hey, let's really build out our advisory services. And so that's when we really got aggressive, you know, building out this, this suite of additional advisory services to complement both CPA and technology. So did you know pretty early on then that this was your career or, or was that still like, okay, what's going to be next? Or was it, all right, I'm enjoying this uh, working at yeah. the public accounting advisory I, services. Yeah, that's a good, another good question. Yeah, I did. I, I liked the people a lot that I was meeting and coming in contact with. And I liked working with Jim. And and um, and so I, I think, you know, at a period of time there, I was thinking, you know, I'll build this thing up and and then, you know, I'll probably end up leaving. And, and then, you know, it wasn't too long into the stretch that Jim and I started having conversations. He, he wanted to get me, he wanted me on the executive board. And so then I got on the board um, after the second year I was there, I, I believe it was. And so I was getting more involved in the firm related matters. And, you know, my background was a lot more varied. I'd been in a lot of different types of businesses. And I think from a pure business perspective, I was able to, to help, you know, in that regard, in terms of the the company uh, as a whole. I had gone back when I when I uh, had my own business there in my own firm. I'd gone back to graduate school. I, w- I went to graduate school at University of Chicago, and and so I I I just felt like I could bring a a breadth of 
of experience to the business that that they didn't have and and I think that's that's kind of what made the difference and frankly you know our only half of our business is traditional CPA right. so I mean our our business really is much different and so that kind of led to this leadership position that I'm in now is that I think you know the board kind of felt like you know we need a more of a business person than we need a a CPA partner to run a business that's only half CPA. Right. You know, and right. so, because I never, I didn't, I never came into the business with the intention of, of becoming the next CEO or the managing partner that, you know, that wasn't the case at all, frankly. And right. it just kind of worked out that way, I guess. And, and I couldn't be happier. I, I love the work that we're doing at Sickage and I, I, you know, we have a great team of people at Sickage and I think we're, and I really feel like, you know, in the last couple of years, we've made some really significant progress in terms of operating performance. And, and I still feel like we're just kind of scratching, you know, the surface. So I feel really good about where we're at as a business and the people that I work with. And I'm, yep. and I'm proud to, to, to be in this leadership role. So I certainly am looking forward to finishing my career at Sickage. That's right. for sure. So you're staying is what you're saying. So it's official. You're staying. No, it's official. I'm staying. You know, I, I get asked often, well, you know, the investment banker, he's the CEO of a sick. It's just, be, you know, so he can sell it. Uh, and, and I can quash that rumor too. That's not happening. You know, I, there, nobody wants to uh, sell the business to anybody. Frankly, we, we all feel like we have such a good thing going here that, right. you know, it would be, it'd be very difficult I think for a deal like that to happen yep. uh, just because of where we're at and, and how we're, and you know, how well we're doing at this point. Right. So, and I've always been impressed and I've known Sickage for quite a while, probably 2008 is about the first time I got introduced uh -huh. to Sickage about the time that you, uh, that you started there. And I, I used to deal with uh, Rick Thompson and Sheila Mathry. Oh you, yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Great yeah, partner. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think they're both retired now, right? They are. Yeah, yep. they sure are. I mean, yep. uh, and I see Rick, in fact, I bumped into Rick, course is all pre-COVID in, in the office because he still comes in and does a little work once in a while and has some clients that he interacts with and stuff. So yep. but yeah, no, both great, uh, both great tax partners. Yep. And I was always impressed with the fact that it was even back then, like you said, in 2008, 32 million at that time, it seemed like a diversified firm to me. And it seems like it's significantly grown. Well, one revenue has significantly grown since yep. then, which what are you now? You're, you're, you know, close to 200. Yeah. I was going to say you're approaching 200, aren't you? That, yeah. that, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and then when you look at that, is that been, I know you have a philosophy and I don't know if Jim Sickage started this philosophy of this mm -hmm. diversification, but it's not just accounting and tax. It's the advisory services. It's the, the yeah. uh, uh, technology. It's, you want to expand on these other services and how that fits into your growth plan, I guess. Yeah, well, well, definitely. Um, it, it's a single market strategy to some extent, right? So we're not with all of our services we're we are approaching the same market. So we're not, we're not trying to be completely upstream with one service offering and lower middle market or SMB uh, with the other. So, you know, you see a lot of firms are kind of going at, they have that sort of dual market strategy where the advisory business or consulting that a lot of firms call it, which includes their tech business, you know, they're out there trying to compete with RSM and, and big shops to do these big major uh, implementations. And although we do some of those, we have some very significant enterprise uh, size clients on the tech side, particularly as well as some of the advisory business units, uh, HR consulting as, as one ex additional example or the investment bank. Uh, but, but what we're pri the, primarily the business model is, is we have these really good, strong middle market companies 
and we can provide a, a real breadth of service, but not only breadth, but real depth within those service offerings. So, so the, the, the industry expertise um, and the depth of knowledge in the service line itself is what we're really, you know, bringing to bear for the benefit of our, of our clients. And so, yeah, that started back in the nineties with Jim Sickich and the partners that they had then. And the first acquisition they made actually was a small technology company pre Y2K era, oh, like wow. 1990, late, like late 1998. And so um, of course, Jim Sickich is funny. He always used to say, he said, well, you know, any of those tech guys back in the late 90s prior to Y2K, you know, they're driving around in their pickup trucks making money, he said. So, but, but that little business then has morphed into, you know, what our tech business is today, which is approaching $100 million in revenue as well. Uh, so, you're, so, so half your revenue is the tech side of things then? Or yeah, half, yeah, half, yeah, that's right. Half of our, of our corporate revenue, if you will, of our firm revenue is technology and advisory. The other, other half is traditional CPA. Okay. And then do you have a separate entity that does the investment advising or how does that play into things? Well, so it, Sickage is a little unique also in, in our structure is in, in that all of our equity partners own everything. Okay. So Sickage LLP owns all of the other businesses, even if they are owned as single member LLCs, like the investment bank, for example, the broker dealer, the RIA, those are single member LLCs that are owned by the LLP. Okay. So if you're a, if you're a, a an equity partner, a CPA equity partner, you're benefiting from all of the businesses. So we have really pushed hard these last couple of years to move to this one firm mentality. And I know people talk a lot about it and stuff, but when you look at when you look behind the curtain, you see that one firm that people are pushing. That's not really one firm. It's it's literally separate business units with separate P and Ls. In a lot of cases even separate legal structures yep. with, with partners working within those separate legal structures. And I'm sure you've seen that I have. Uh, in the work that you do with the firms, right? So we've really tried to knock all those walls down to really make it the case that if everyone helps everyone, you know, that whole, the rising tide lifts all boats, right? So that, that's really what we do. And, that, and that's been a transformation in this business over the last probably five years now. And we've made a lot of progress there. And it shows. It's been showing in, in our performance, uh, which is significantly better now than it was a number of years, a few years back. Right. Yeah. I, I noticed that when I was uh, researching, and, uh, and I've known quite a bit about Sickage, but then when I was researching, it, it looks like those revenue numbers have been uh, uh, increasing nicely. Um, well, revenue, not only revenue, but, but profitable revenue. Yeah. That part uh, I don't see. So. Yeah, that part you don't see, but but we weren't where we should be for a firm like uh, like ours, and and in the last couple of years, particularly, we've seen thirty plus percent uh, increases in net income right, over there. So the investment and, you know, banker even, getting that EBITDA up, huh? Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and that income is everything. I do have to say that, right? So yeah. you. You know, I always used to tell our guys, you know, you don't pay your bills just by generating revenue. You know, right. you have to generate profits. You know, right. so. And so we've, you know, we've, you know, we've made a lot of, lot of strides there. And, and I think also culturally, you know, that this is to me, you know, I feel like going to work every day is like a new ball game. You know, I played a lot of sports when I was younger and we find that the, that the competitive people, they don't have to be sports minded to be competitive, right? You, you can be competitive in a lot of different ways that those are the people that work best in our environment. 
Yeah, and that's a you're you're getting my transition for me there. That's that's nice because I was going to ask you about your hiring philosophies because I know it's not just and obviously being a diversified firm, you're not going to be just hiring CPAs. But even on the the accounting and tech side, I think I've heard that you you you're just looking for smart, good people that you can train. So, what kind of philosophies do you have when you're looking to hire? Yeah, I think as I was saying there, yeah, we 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 really like competitors. The people that because I describe it to our young folks that that we start we have a a new joiner course that that we have uh, and and that's basically we put our whole f- uh, firm in front of new folks coming into the firm they spend two days we'll likely end up doing that more certainly more remotely now in the future but I would always get a chance to talk to them and there's 45 50 people uh, you know in every class and you look around the room and you might have you know, less than half of them are CPAs a lot of times, depending on, you know, obviously the, the mix of the class, but that's pretty consistent with our business at this point. Yep. I mean, if you're half CPA and, and you know, and half everything else, you're hiring a lot of people uh, that aren't CPAs. And we're, we look at them even on the CPA side because we're doing so much now with, with RPA and so much with AI that, you know, a lot of those folks don't necessarily have to be or need to be CPAs, but they're deployed on CPA clients, right? But I always tell our folks, you know, the new folks coming in that you'll find when you work at Sickets, there's a lot of people, the way I describe it, sitting on the edge of their seat. And so you have to be comfortable in that environment. And Mm -hmm. so it's not for everybody. Again, no, no, probably no shock to you that, you know, coming from a guy like me is, you know, I'm okay being uncomfortable. And I actually kind of like, I I like it, you know, for our people to sort of feel that level of, um, of uncomfort and to be on the edge of their seats, you know? And so I think when we look for people, we're looking for those people that are, that are smart, aggressive, competitive people, and we hire them and we'll find a place for them. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've been doing, frankly, Randy. So there've been certain points in time over the last couple of years where, you know, the vast majority of people that we're hiring are not CPAs and not that the CPA business is going anywhere. And I believe it's a, it's a wonderful designation. It's a very valuable designation, the CPA. And I don't think that's going anywhere uh, in the future. I think as long as we stay as an industry with CPA, you know, with that core um, in our company, going forward and we, when we stay aggressive uh, and adaptable to change, it's going to be a great industry going forward as it has been for decades prior. Yep. Do you call yourself a CPA? Cause I, a CPA firm, cause I know there's some firms out there that'll call themselves a, a CPA led advisory firm or some form of that. Do you use anything like that or? No, we just, it's a, it's a, we call ourselves a tech enabled professional services firm. Okay. A tech enabled. So, tech enabled. And the way I've kind of described it quickly in, in terms of the vision is, is that, and I've been talking about this now for a couple of years, is that a lot of what we do today already, this is the case. But the idea is at the core of everything that we do going forward will be some sort of technology, whether that's a piece of software or otherwise. Yep. And then we're building this, what, what I describe as this professional services wrapper around the solution, the technology. And so, you know, that includes deep industry expertise so that we know people's businesses a deep technical expertise as well, the ability to implement these solutions, the ability to train on them and the ability to maintain them. That's the professional services wrapper. And so we're doing that even with companies that we've already migrated to the cloud, yep. uh, building a professional services wrapper around that cloud offering. Uh, even if they're in Azure, as an example, right? 
So, and, and that's been working really well. And of course, the other thing that it does is it builds the recurring revenue stream, Yep, right. which is what everybody's after, right? In this transactional world, this sort of ephemeral world that we live in, right. you know, here today, gone tomorrow, you know, we're building these longer term relationships and these contractual recurring revenue streams uh, in the business, which is, it, which is really powerful. You don't build it overnight. It doesn't right. happen overnight. But it's happening and we're seeing that progress, you know, build into, you know, not only those good stream, recurring streams of revenue, but these better, deeper client relationships as yep. well. Yep. I saw, I saw your other quote somewhere that uh, you have a motto that says embrace change and learn to adapt because it's inevitable in business. And, and so yeah. you guys are living that then too. But you also in that same, in that same quote, we're talking about firms that have not been able to do that or are not keeping up with technology. And, and, you know, we're going to see, you know, the mergers and acquisitions continue. And this is from a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'm just wondering about, you know, as you and I sit here today, we're living in COVID-19 era and technology yeah. has become extremely important very quickly for firms that weren't prepared. Is there, I mean, do you see that this COVID-19 technology need affecting your firm or the other firms? I mean, more mergers and acquisitions. What, what do you think yeah. will come out of this? Well, I think there's a number of things as it, as it relates to this, this COVID-19 situation. Thankfully, in the last few years, we had spent an awful lot of money basically moving our business to the cloud. And we have a lot of remote workers anyway. We've got employees in 40, uh, 40 plus states okay. already. And so a lot of our folks are used to working remote. And so it wasn't that difficult for us to kind of, you know, flip the switch, at least technically, to be able to have our folks all work remote. You know, we, you know, very early on, kind of, we kind of um, implemented sort of this strategy of incrementalism. And so all the different states that we're in, as those states ended up shutting down and advising on quarantining and things like that, we, we kind of followed suit incrementally. And so we did that and, and it worked very well and we were very well positioned to deal with it from a technical standpoint. So all of our people are as productive um, as, they, as they ever were working remotely. Okay. Right. So nice. I think, and, and I don't, I, I personally don't know what the new normal will look like to use that term going forward. I think we'll have a lot of our folks working remotely more than they did in the past I mean, there's a, certainly a benefit from a work-life balance perspective. Uh, we'll have to see how all that, you know, how all that works out. But I think this, this COVID situation for, for firms, particularly firms that maybe weren't as capable or as flexible or agile to be able to move to remote working is, you know, very quickly is, is a problem for them, number yep. one. And then I, I think secondly, depending from a financial perspective, how, how hard it is for them to sort of maintain their, their client work at the same level of productivity and efficiency and effectiveness going forward will cause a lot of the management teams to, I think, pause and say, wow, I don't want to have to go through this again. You know, this, this, right. this is, you know, without more scale and a, a stronger foundation and being more agile. And we, you know, in the last couple of years here, Randy, you know, we've embraced the, you know, the concept of agile in a big way in our firm. And so yep. we've really been following the concepts of agile and it's really been paying off for us. And I, I think a lot of the firms that haven't as much, it's going to be, it'll be more and more difficult. And I think as a way just to sort of, sort of mitigate future risk, I think you'll have a lot of firms having conversations about merger uh, yep. for that reason. 
Um, and so, and, and of course, a lot of it has to do here with this COVID situation, how long, you know, this business slowdown continues and, you know, how quickly the economy can recover out the other end. Uh, and all those things are certainly hugely unknown at the moment as we sit here today on, what is it, the 12th of May or 11th? Uh, of 11th of May. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I never know what day it is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is it a well, Monday, Tuesday? Who knows? Right. <laughs> so, right. so well that that's great and i got and i know you you personally have uh, have done your mergers and acquisitions not only prior to sickage but with sickage as well actually there was two firms we were working with in the past that uh, at one point in time uh, uh, merged yeah. in with you guys and i'm assuming that activity you expect uh, on a personal level to continue as well right well we do uh, randy we've got a couple that are in the queue uh, right now and we're just kind of trying to to finalize uh, some of the, the the closing issues to get those deals done, but yeah, we, you know, we're going to come back out the other end of this thing. It, yep. It's going to happen. I don't know how it all will look uh, entirely, but we're going to, you know, we're staying on our strategy, and we're going to continue to grow, and we're going to continue to look for these opportunities to provide better service and and more service, broad service to to our clientele. And and in addition to the fact that you know, when we do these deals, there are much, it's as much about getting really good people uh, in these deals, because certainly, as we talked earlier, we need that. We, we're like everyone else, you know, yep. we'll take every great person we can find uh, at this point, knowing that we're going to need them in the mm -hmm. future. And so we're going to stay on the M&A uh, front and uh, be opportunistic when we can be, but certainly, you know, stay focused uh, in our, on our growth agenda. That's not surprising me at all. I, I, another quote that I did read from you was, uh, uh, you find it difficult to get excited with the status quo. So I, I, I would not uh, expect you to, to sit back and, and let things uh, pass you by, so, which, is, which is why Sickage has been, I think, so successful from that, that type of attitude. So We've been fairly aggressive, I guess. I, I guess you would say, you know, we're, we're trying to blaze our own, our own path. You know, and right. if things don't present themselves, then, you know, we'll, we're going to create our own way. And, yep. and so that's what we've been we've been trying to do. Well, I've been very impressed with everything you guys have done over there. And, and it's been wonderful to know your team uh, for many years now. Uh, anything that you'd like to add before we wrap up here on Sickage or anything in general? No, you know, I would just say that, as I said before, I'm, I'm proud to be at Sickage. It's, you know, it's a great firm and a great uh, bunch of people. And, you know, this industry, it, it's a great industry with a lot of really, as you and I were talking earlier, there's a lot of really good people in this industry, a lot of smart people. Yep. Uh, and we can, we can certainly stay at the forefront and be real leaders in, in this business recovery effort. And I really believe that. I, I really believe that we can. And we just have to seize it. You know, we have to seize this moment and have the will to go out there and, and do bold things. And, mm -hmm. and as long as we do that, this is going to be a a great industry for many years to come, frankly. And I'm, I'm excited to build up a, a business that, you know, lives way beyond me. And I think there's plenty of others in leadership roles in this industry that are looking to do the same thing. So yep. I guess I'm so, proud to that, be part of it. And I think uh, you're well uh, positioned to, to be part of that uh, with, with your, with the, your background, uh, not saying sick is just distressed, but we will have businesses that are distressed from this and that's yeah. what you've worked with in the past. So I, I think that, yeah. that'll be great. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up, and I didn't yet, is you are probably one of one or two or a handful of managing partners of you know top, let's say, hundred CPA firms that are not CPAs. Is that is that a true statement? That that's accurate. Yeah, All right. 
All right. Um, I mean, one that I know well is Matt Armanino is is the managing partner of Armanino out in California. And I know he's not a CPA. I think he's an attorney. And there might be another one or two, but that I know well is is Matt. But yeah, it's a it's something different. But again, I think it it not just because it's me. I mean, I know my place in life at this point, but not just because it's me, but I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you can if you can get somebody that has broad business experience running these businesses that are now becoming very broad in their offering, it's not just about uh, about being a CPA anymore, you know. Right. And I think I think firms that that are recognizing that you're seeing more and more firms that are 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 moving toward more of a professional management team, if you will, you know, to drive these businesses into the future. And so you have to be as you know, like you said before, you have to be willing and capable and able to adapt and really embrace that kind of change that that's coming because it's coming. It's here. We're already in the middle of it. We are We've been a ton of change at our, at our business these last couple of years and our people have responded very, very well. Well, um, I appreciate the conversation today. I, uh, before we do wrap up, I usually like to end with a fun fact. We already have some fun facts about you with the undercover police work, the law enforcement work, but I've found many fun facts about you uh, uh, just from talking to you in the past and actually online, like, bull riding, mountain climbing, skydiving, motorcycle racing, stock car racing. Sounds like uh, adrenaline uh, might be a thing that you uh, enjoy. Any of those you want to expand on or do you have a, a fun fact you'd like to share with everybody before we wrap up? No, I think it's, I think it's, I'll just use the one that you mentioned there. You know, uh, when people see me today and I'm in, I'm a Chicago guy, everybody says, you know, and I'm in my suit and whatever. It's, it's not really me as much. I mean, I'm, I was a farm kid growing up and and, and you did mention it, you know, I, I did some bull riding when I was younger. And I think most people look at that and go, wow, that seems really odd or kind of out of character for you. But if you learn more about me, it's really not out of character at all. Uh, yep. Frankly, it's it's probably as much as of the type of person that I am. And I don't know if you call it adrenaline junkie, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I have the motto of, you know, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space, you know, <laughs> so that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm a little more tame today, Randy, I guess, because I've got, <laughs> I've got young kids yeah, uh, and, and I love them to death and my wife and uh, my family is really important to me. So uh, maybe tone it down a little bit, but I still, I'll get on my dirt bike and, and go out there and tear it up with my son um, nice. uh, on his dirt bike and stuff. So yeah, we're, we're still out there. Nice. Definitely. Um, obviously if anybody wants to hear any more about you or the firm, they can, I'm assuming, go to the website, which is sickish.com. It is absolutely. And I'll, I'll take a phone call anytime from anybody. I'm happy to. And your contact information's on the website? It is. You search me up there and uh, I'm right there. My my phone number, my email address, everything. You bet. All right. Well, again, it's it's been a pleasure having you on here. I, every time we have a conversation, I really enjoy it. And this wasn't, uh, this didn't disappoint. So uh, likewise, Randy, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. And you can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode where we'll be going beyond compliance into forging new pathways of delivering value to clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and leading edge management techniques and styles. 